Hi, family, and thank you so much for joining us tonight for our online service and our midweek Bible study. Tonight, we're continuing in our study of the book of Jude. And I know it's a very short chapter, and it's a very uh, it's not a very long chapter at all. You can read it in just a minute or two, but it's a book that really requires a lot of thought and a lot of prayer, and I hope that you'll spend time with me each week. I had hoped to be able to do this message in uh, this book in three messages, but it may take me one extra because every once in a while when I start uh, actually writing the message, I realize, you know, that's probably more than I need to share and one message this evening. And that happened today as I was putting the final touches on this message and the outline tonight. You can go to our app store or go to the Apple app store or to the Google Play store and you can download our app. It's Woodland Church Mobile and you can download that and there you can get the notes. You can follow along with me or else you can come back and re-watch it later because it will be videoed and will also be uh, on the, the outline there for you to follow along, or you can just download it as an audio, an MP3 file, and listen to it in your car. But uh, you can also follow online on our Woodland Church website, and that's woodland.church, woodland.church, that's it. Just go there, and you can click on messages, and you can follow right along there with me as well if you would like. Uh, this evening, I'd like to just ask you, if you would, please be faithful with your tithes and your offerings, and join us in and giving this evening, you can text to give at 77977, and you can just type in the word Woodland Church, or you can go right to the website, woodland.church, click give, or you can just go onto your phone, and you can give as well. And remember this, when we are tithing, when we put God first in our finances, we tie our finances to the supernatural power of God, and God is able to make all grace abound to you to not only meet your needs, pressed down, shaken together, and running over without measure, but he will also ensure that you have enough to continue to share and to give in the future as well. So it's the key, I really believe, it's the key to surviving financially, it's the key to thriving financially, and it's a key to being a blessing in the world, because that's the one area that so many people struggle with in their faith is being faithful to God with their finances. Well, would you join me in prayer? We have children out on the uh, campus tonight. They're doing pumpkin painting and have some events going on for them. Our students are meeting outside around a bonfire and having hot dogs and hamburgers. And you and I are right here online studying together God's Word. So let's join together in prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, I thank you, and I love you, and I bless you from the very bottom of my heart, God, for all of your goodness to us. I thank you, Lord, for the grace that is ours, and I pray that this word tonight will be an encouraging word. I pray it will be a strengthening word, but I pray it will also be a convicting word as well as we look at the book of Jude together, for it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, last week we talked about how that Jude had never really intended to write this letter. He really wanted to write a letter about our salvation, the salvation that we enjoy and share together in Christ. We looked at the fact that Jude was the half-brother of Jesus Christ, but he doesn't even tell you that in this epistle. He lets us know that he's the brother of James, and if you'll go to last week's message, I gave you some scripture references so that you could know that and follow along. But I just think it is pretty amazing how humble both Jude and James are as they write their epistles. Now, they don't try to 
to power up that they were the half-brothers of Jesus. We looked at the fact last week that, you know, here was Jude and James both grew up with Jesus. They grew up in the same house, and yet they both had to be born again. The Bible is real clear that there was a point in their lives where they did not believe that Jesus is who he really was. And they doubted, they scoffed, they even ridiculed Jesus. But somehow or another, and I just kind of, you know, postulated this, it's not sure that this is how it really happened, but somehow or another, after Jesus' resurrection, and I, I think, and, and when I say I think, I'm just, my thoughts is that perhaps Jesus came and he went back to his home and revealed himself to his brothers who had knew that he had been crucified and was buried, and there he revealed himself, and they put their faith in Jesus, and they followed after Jesus. And it's such an amazing story to read about that. The name Jude comes from the word Judah, which means praise. And Judah is, is that tribe of Israel that was always going out in front in the battle. They were the ones that were singing and praising God. Jesus is known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and Judah's name actually means praise. And he wants to praise God for our salvation. He wants to praise God for the faith that's once been delivered to us. And that's kind of where we left off last week. So if you would, look with me in your Bibles tonight as we read Jude, and we're just going to read two verses tonight, verse, verse 3 and verse 4. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith <clears throat> that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Well, one of the things that I want you to see here this evening is that over and over, God reminds us that we are loved. Over and over, God reminds us in the Scriptures that we are loved of God, we are cared for by God. Look at Jude, verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verses 1, 3, 17, and verse 20, in this very short epistle, Jude takes great care to remind you that you are loved by the Lord. And I have to tell you, that's a mind-boggling thing to me because in all of the comparative religions that I have studied, it's only God who teaches us how deeply we are loved. It's only the God of the Bible through Jesus Christ. It's only God who gave His Son so that we might be saved. We're not a religion of works. We're not a religion of fear. But we're a faith that's been once delivered for the saints that we know that God loved us. And probably the most profound verse in all of the Bible is one that I'm sure you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And I love to emphasize that preposition, so loved. It would have been so easy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit for Jesus just to say, God loved. But God so loved, He so loved you, He so loved me that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And there's even a prayer in the second verse of Jude, and we looked at this last week, where Jude prays that grace and peace and love will be multiplied to us. And isn't that wonderful news? Grace and peace and love be multiplied to us. I love the triplicates with which Jude writes in this epistle. He's the, he, he uses triplicates so often, he just gives us these three things that we need to know. So here's the first thing I'd like you to see tonight is 
Treasure your salvation by faith in Christ alone. Treasure your salvation by faith in Christ alone. I am grateful for the salvation that I enjoy. I'm grateful for the salvation of my wife and my children, the congregation that I pastor. And sometimes I think we just take it for granted of our salvation. People no longer treat God with the, with the love and the gratitude and the profound sense of humility that God gave Jesus Christ to die for our sins. You know, in just a few days, in a very few days, it will be Christmas time, and we will be celebrating the advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And sometimes people just forget in all of the busyness and all the preparations to remember and to think of what God has done for us. At the end of this month, we'll be celebrating All Souls Day, where we remember that Christ died for us and that we're not left in the grave, but those who died in faith, that they're alive with Christ Jesus forevermore. Look at verse 3 with me now. Beloved, Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary. Look at that. I found it necessary to write appealing to you, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Salvation should make you happy. Salvation should cause you to rejoice. Salvation should cause you to sing. I mean, there is no greater joy and no greater privilege in this life than to have been born again. There's no greater privilege in the entire universe than to know that God loved us and saved us and delivered us from our sins, and He lives inside of our life. It's the greatest privilege. It's the greatest joy. It's the song of my heart. It's the strength of my heart. It's the salvation of my life, and I always want to rejoice and always take the opportunity when somebody wants to know or I have the opportunity to share how God, through His grace, forgave my sins, how God changed my heart and changed my life. You know, Paul tells us, excuse me, uh, Jude tells us something in this passage. He says Sal salvation unites us. Salvation draws you and I together. We share the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives as we take communion, and we'll be taking communion again Sunday morning. So be sure, if you can't be with us on campus, that you have your juice and you have your bread ready as we prepare to remember our Lord's uh, broken body and His suffering for us. But as we take communion together, we're receiving the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. It's the reason that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Membership in a local church doesn't make you a brother, or just walking up and calling somebody, hey, bro, hey, sis, that doesn't make you a brother or sister. But it's our faith in Jesus. It's our common salvation. It's the common life that you and I share together. And then Jude also tells us here that we have to contend for the faith. Now, that's important, that little phrase, the faith. So why don't you circle that in your Bible or circle that or highlight that if you can in your app tonight. Because the faith is, is what has been delivered to us. The faith is what we believe. The faith is my object, the object of my faith. My faith is in Jesus Christ. My faith is in what Christ has done for me. To have faith, to have faith means that I believe something, I trust something. 
So I have faith in Jesus that his sacrifice at Calvary and shedding his blood for me was enough to atone for my sins. As a matter of fact, I could never atone for my sins. I could never pay the debt of sin that I owed. And it's one of the great theological truths of the Bible and the great theological truths of the Word of God. And we can never deny that. We can never let go of that truth. There are people that are uncomfortable with that. There are people that deny that. But friends, hear me. This is so important. This is what Jude is writing to us about and it's left written for us as the Word of God. That Jesus Christ died in my place. That Jesus Christ paid the debt for my sins. That Jesus Christ paid the penalty of my sins. The wrath of God over sin was poured out upon Christ Jesus upon the cross. My sin and your sin. Therefore, none of us are better than the other. None of us are even better than those that aren't born again. But we are saved when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Notice he says, you received this. You received it. I love ordering books from Amazon, or I love ordering books, and sometimes they're delivered by FedEx or something like that. But you know, one of the cool things is this, is once I've ordered a book from Amazon, or once I've ordered a book, and maybe it's coming by FedEx, whatever it is, I start getting these emails, I start getting these text messages, and they tell me, your order is on the way. It's like they go to great pains. They're always letting me know your order is on the way. And so along the way, there's little updates. Your order, your book is in Louisville, Kentucky. Your book is in, in Detroit. Now your book is in Brownstown, where I live at. And then when it's delivered, if I don't have to sign for it, they leave a picture of where they've laid it at my doorstep or something like that. You see, here's the good news. God wants to be sure you understand that he has delivered for you the salvation that you need in Christ. And just like I receive a book from Amazon when I order it, just like I receive it from the UPS guy or the FedEx guy, here's the deal. You receive salvation when you put your faith in Jesus. God delivered your salvation through Christ Jesus. God delivered your deliverance from sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary. God sealed the deal when Jesus was raised again on the third day. And it's up to you and I to receive what God has given to us. And that's the reason that he says, contend for the faith. Now notice... Contending for the faith is not being contentious, okay? And that's really important. Contending for the faith is not being contentious. Some people just want to be contentious, but that's not what this word means. Contentious is when you are, you are just abrasive. Contentious is where you're trying to pick fights and things of that nature. But to contend means that you agonize, that you defend the faith, that it's precious to you. John Calvin once said that a dog barks when his master is attacked. And I would be a coward if I saw God's truth being attacked and would remain silent without giving any sound. <laughs> Don't you love that? In other words, when, when the word, word of God is attacked, when the truth of God is attacked, we don't become contentious, 
But we defend the faith. We defend what we believe in. So when somebody tells me that Jesus Christ, you know, was a great teacher, but he was not God, I have to speak up and defend that faith and why we believe that and what the Bible says. Or if somebody says to me, the Bible is not the Word of God, it's just another book of literature, maybe good literature, maybe good principles in it, but it's the Word of God. And I'll show you that a little further along as we go through the message. But there's going to, following this, there's going to be a long list of things that I almost took time to share, and then that's part of why I said, you know, I'm going to just make another message and make four messages instead of three, write four messages instead of three for this series. Because in verse 20 through 23, Jude shows us the gentleness. Jude shows us the power of, our, of love for God and God's love for us. Jude shows us how to contend for the faith, how to defend the faith, how to agonize for the faith without being contentious, and that's where we'll wrap this series up. So I hope you'll stay with me on it. Well, you might ask me tonight, well, what is the faith? I mean, Pastor, what do you believe that the faith is? Well, I can just give you some of the core doctrines. Number one, we believe our statement of faith begins with the Bible is the inspired Word of, word of God. We believe in the infallibility and the inspiration of the Scriptures, that God gave us His Word, and that no Scripture comes to us by someone's private interpretation, but it is the Word of the Lord. We believe what the Scriptures teach. Occasionally, somebody will ask me, they'll say, are you a Calvinist? Are you an Arminian? Are you a Wesleyan? Sometimes they'll say, are you a Pentecostal? Are you Baptist? Are you Presbyterian? And you know, my answer to that is always, no, I am a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, and I believe and I preach what the Bible says. John Calvin said some wonderful things. As a matter of fact, I preached a message here about John Calvin. John Wesley was a great preacher, one of my favorites. I preached a message here about John Wesley's life. You know, I, I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all that 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and Romans 12 tells us that is ours, and what I see happening in the book of Acts, I believe that's a, an experience for all of us. But the point of the matter is, we preach the Bible, and if the Bible says it, we preach it. And if the Bible doesn't say it, we don't preach it. As a matter of fact, if somebody tries to bring that into our church and the Bible doesn't say it, let's say, it about, let's say that it's about a practice of the spiritual gifts. Let's say it's about the practice of water baptism. Let's say it's about the practice of how someone is born again. Or let's say it's about the practice of receiving communion together. Anything you could think of. If the Bible doesn't say it, we don't teach it, and we defend the faith. We agonize over that faith. We love it. We're joyful about it. But we don't want an admixture to that faith. I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. His virgin birth, His sinless life, His miracles. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And I believe it could happen at any time. I live my life like it might be 500 years from now. But I tell you, everything within me believes that Jesus could come tonight and the only thing that ever holds me back sometimes is because I know so many people still aren't ready to meet God. And the reason Jesus died was to save you from hell and to save you for heaven. The reason Jesus died was to wash away your sins because you can either have an eternity with God, your heavenly Father, or you can suffer a part in an eternal life 
of perdition apart from God. And that's why it's so very, very important. You say, well, Pastor, we believe all of this with you. You're singing to the choir here. So why are you preaching this? Because Jude had to preach it to the church. The danger that the church always faces is the subtlety of heresy. The subtlety of heresy. You see, even this year, I've had to deal with situations for certain Christian professors in Christian colleges who don't believe or teach that the Bible is the infallible, inspired Word of God. Are certain people who deny what the Bible says because it's become culturally acceptable to say that immorality and lewdness is pleasing in the sight of God. Even a, even a progressive theologian like Luke Timothy Johnson, who wouldn't agree with me on some of the things I've said to you tonight, he would say to you by his own pen writing that he cannot stand it when people try to make the Scriptures say what the Scriptures don't say. In other words, he knows what the Bible says. He says, I, be- I believe this is what the Bible means. He said, I may not believe it. Now, he's a theologian. He said, I may not believe it, but it's what the Bible says. And I can respect his honesty because then he identifies himself. But these clever rattlesnakes, and I don't mean to be mean, but that's exactly what they are. These clever snakes, they're subtle. You have to watch out for the creeps. Look with me, if you would, tonight. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you didn't even hear the verse because you were so stunned that I said, watch out for these creeps. Well, let's look at that word. I mean, this is left for us as the inspired Word of God. They've crept in. Have you ever watched a predator creep trying to be silent, trying not to make any noise before the predator pounces or attacks its prey? Have you ever noticed the silent way a snake will slither? Have you ever noticed, though, if you've ever seen, and and I have growing up in Georgia and South Georgia, seeing the alligator slither along the bank and quietly in the water, they're creeping along. You know, What we're looking at here is people who creep. They are creeps trying to get into the body of Christ to sow divisiveness or heresy. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 28, don't be intimidated by your enemies. I don't care how many letters or how many degrees or how much publicity they have on television. Sometimes people are attracted to people not because they're right, but because they have fame. Sometimes people are attracted to other people not because they're preaching the truth, but it's because, as the Bible says, their ears itch to hear something that pleases them rather than what God says. I grew up as a young man in Georgia, and there was a famous preacher in Chattanooga, Tennessee. His name was R.G. Lee. I have several of his books, and he was a fire-breathing preacher in Chattanooga, and I used to love to read his books, and he could write and speak in a way that I've never been able to write or speak in. It was just his personality and how he was, but listen to what Dr. Lee said. 
I have more respect for the burglar who puts a jimmy under my window and steals my wife's wedding ring than I have for any Ph.D. college professor who, wielding the cutlass of criticism against the Bible, breaks into the home of faith of my boys and girls. What's he saying? As a pastor, I love the boys and girls of this church so much. I love my children so much. I have more respect for a thief than someone who calls himself a theology professor trying to undermine their faith. Just to give you a personal example, a very close friend of mine was going to a, a, and I won't even name the denomination school, but was going to a, a, a Christian college and was studying for the ministry. And one of the theology professors stood up there that day and says, you know, you've come to this college because it's this denomination school, and your parents are confident that your faith are going to be protected. But I want you to know, my, I am here to shred your faith. The Bible is not the Word of God. Jesus was not born of a Virgin Mary, and we are not going to send you out into the world believing these myths. My young friend was devastated. His parents were devastated. Now, here's the point. These are the people that Jude was writing about. The half-brother of Jesus, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You see, the most dangerous enemy is not the enemy that tells me he doesn't believe in God. The most dangerous enemy is not the enemy that tells me he doesn't believe in the Bible. The most dangerous enemy is the one who uses my language, but not my dictionary. The one who walks and talks and acts like a Christian, but then denies the work and then gets into the minds of young people to try to undermine their faith. Jesus tells us that we have got to beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. We have got to beware of false teachers. And that's what Peter was writing about as we've gone through this series in First and Second Peter, and now Jude is writing about. And just as it was real, not long after Jesus ascended back into heaven, that same problem is still real in the church today. The Bible tells us that these people pervert the grace of our God. What do they do? They take God's grace and they make it a license for immorality, a license for lewdness. And they call sin holy and they call holy sin. They turn it into immorality. They deny our only master and Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. So when people say to me that Jesus is not the Son of God, Friends, those are words that cause me to agonize and step up and defend the faith. When they tell me that the Bible is not the Word of God, those are words that cause me to agonize and stand up for the faith. When they tell me somehow or another that Jesus Christ is not coming again, that that the rapture is not going to take place, those are words that I have to stand up and agonize. For the Bible is clear that there's coming a time when the trumpet in heaven is going to sound And those which are dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us who are alive and remain, we will be caught up in the air to meet him forever. And personally, you know, you can believe it's pre, post, mid, whatever you want to believe. The point of the matter is one day Jesus is coming again. He's going to catch his church up in the air to be with him forevermore. Those are important words to cling to. Say, Pastor, how can you be so confident of it? Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 with me. It's in your outline. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. 
But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were inspired. God breathed out into them. So how do you defend the faith? Number one, and this isn't easy, you need to study. You know, I've always encouraged you to have a daily devotional time. But tonight, I really feel it is urgent and incumbent upon us as believers that we do more than just have a devotional time. We need to spend some time in the Bible studying. That's the reason that we give you growth work following our messages. It's the reason that we give you talk about at work on Sunday mornings to discuss with your small group so that you can sit around as a small group and study the Bible together. Number two, you've got to be willing to stand up against a society that's trying to dilute the message of the gospel. The gospel is the faith. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for us. And I don't care if it's not popular in the culture to say that Jesus is the only way to, to God. Friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news. If people don't know, listen, this is important. If I don't know that I have a problem and that problem is sin, if I don't know that my sins have separated me from God, I just read a survey this morning that was done by the Barna Group and where people struggle with being able to say that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That's not something to beat somebody up with. That's a diagnosis of the condition of every human being. And it's why the gospel is so precious. And so we have to be willing to speak up for the truth and to share the gospel with other believers. Listen to this from Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. All the believers devoted themselves. Are you devoted to the gospel? Are you devoted to the faith that was once delivered to all the saints? Are you devoted to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you devoted to prayer and the fellowship? And are you also just as devoted tonight to being willing to share that good news with other people? I can't begin to stress how important it is. And I can't begin to stress to you who are grandparents and parents that are listening to me tonight to understand how the faith of your children is being attacked. The faith of your, your young adult children is under attack. That it's not just the occasional, the, the episode I had to deal with this year was in one of our own Christian colleges. And so it's important that we understand, that we understand what we believe and we study the Word of God and we're willing to defend it. You know, we don't take one truth and build a tabernacle around it. I love Holy Communion. I love water baptism. I love the doctrine of the coming of the Lord, of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I love all these, but we don't build a tabernacle around truth. We build our faith upon the Word of God. And we build our faith upon what Christ has done for us once and for all in glory. 
And so as we live in a world that for some reason seems to be progressively becoming more and more immoral, as we live in a world where marriage is being cheapened and where relationships that are ungodly are being said that is godly. You know, I, I can't tell you the times people have come to me and said, you know, will God bless me if I divorce my wife or divorce my husband? And I say, has your wife or your husband been unfaithful to you? Has your wife or husband, are they, are they living with somebody else? Oh, no, I just don't, we just don't get along. I just don't feel what I used to feel. Friends, we have to mature and grow up. I, I can't begin to tell you the people who come to me one time, sometimes and say, you know, Pastor, I never shed a tear for lost people. I, I'm really, I'm not troubled, I'm not burdened. I go, you're not troubled that your children are going to hell? Or you're not troubled that your grandchildren are going to hell unless they give their hearts to Jesus? Or sometimes someone will come to me and they'll say, can we talk? And they're from another faith. And then they'll say, and they've said this right here in my study. He says, you know, we're closer we're closer in the same beliefs and opinions than you might think. I go, no, we're not. The dividing line for us is this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. He ascended to heaven, and he's coming back. And unless you're born again through faith in Christ, you won't make heaven your home. Do you believe that? Are we close on that? And more than one leader has said no. I appreciate their friendship. I appreciate being able to work together on family issues, on community issues. But when it comes to the faith, we must never be willing to compromise on the core essentials of the Bible. You can disagree with me on the timing of the coming of the Lord. You can disagree with me on whether you should be sprinkled or dunked. I really believe the Bible says that you should be immersed. You can disagree with me on whether uh, infant baptism is the same thing as adult baptism. You know, I, I believe the Bible teaches differently. I believe the Bible says it's a decision we make and then we follow Christ in baptism. We won't break fellowship, but if you deny, we won't break fellowship as in the body of Christ, but if you deny that the Bible is the Word of God, if you deny that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, if you deny that Jesus is coming again, if you de deny that there is an eternity of heaven or hell, then friends, we have a real problem. And that is we can't say that we are brothers and sisters in faith. We may be human friends, we may be friends in humanity, but to deny Jesus Christ is anathema. And that's what Jude is getting at in this gospel. Defend agonize, love, but don't be contentious. And that's so important because so many times people want to take what I'm saying and then get contentious about it. I'm not out to pick a fight with anybody, but I do want to defend the word of the Lord. And by defending it, I mean be able to give a defense of why I believe what I believe. I hope this has been helpful for you tonight. And I want you, if you would, if you're at home, would you stand up? Would you get out of your sofa, get off your sofa, get out of your lazy boy? And would you stand up with me tonight? And I want us to stand before the Lord. I'm going to lift my hands. Would you close your eyes? You know, don't just sit there and, and spectate, but participate tonight. And let's lift our hands to the Lord in prayer. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, we lift our hands to you in gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
that you poured out your wrath upon sin, upon Christ. And that through faith, Lord, in what Christ has done for us, we are born again. Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we're so grateful. Let us never wake up, O oh Lord, in this beautiful land that we live in. Don't ever let us wake up, Lord, in this beautiful season that we're passing through in autumn right now without giving you praise for all the goodness that you have created and given to us to inherit with you forever. But I pray at the same time, Lord, that we will study to show ourselves as people, Lord, who know the Word of God and take our faith seriously and live for your glory and honor. I pray a protective shield over the minds of our children and our teenagers and our young adults, Lord, that the enemy will not be able to steal from them the hope of salvation that they have in Christ. Now, Lord, I thank you for all of those who've joined with me tonight to study the Scriptures. I ask your blessings upon them and in all they say and do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, God bless you. It's such a joy for me to be able to come and share with you on Wednesday nights like this. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Drop me a line. You can email me right here at office at woodland.church or send me a message. I'd love to hear from you this evening. God bless.